I opened the phone. And when I opened this phone, I started seeing text messages from other men. I started seeing pictures of other men. You know, I'm not sure how X-rated we can get on here or whatever, but just use your use your imagination. Like it was, you know, naked pictures of, of other men, things like that in her phone, multiple guys. So it wasn't just one guy. And then messages from her ex-boyfriend as well, too, that, that used to beat her. You know, conversations with him. And he's kind of pivotal in this particular conversation. So at that moment, I, you know, you can just imagine on what's going through my mind. And at this moment, I, I, I would work at night. and She worked during the day. So I had our daughter in the morning time and um, in the afternoon until she got off of work. And at that moment, I looked at her and tears just start falling down because I'm starting to question now, is she really mine? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every Old Podcast, where every episode we have a different guest come on and they talk about things they've experienced in life and initially it felt like an L because everything was all stacked up, ready to go, things were planned out the way they should be and then for one reason or another or most of the reasons, things just didn't add up. Two plus two didn't make four. <laughs> what? And now people get to look back, recount what happened and sort of work out, was it really an L? Or was it something else that they gained from the situation? Or it could just be a flat L. There's no harm, no foul in this situation. But it's nice to understand what people have been through because we live and breathe amongst one another. But we don't always know what's going on. We only see the surface levels. And at at times, we only see what we want to see because it makes us feel more comfortable. And sometimes us being comfortable makes other people feel uncomfortable. And I think as we talk, you'll probably understand where I'm coming from just because I know where I'm going with that. I would like to think most of the conversation that we have on here will lead you on that same path. But as cliche as it sounds, I have a fantastic guest. And this gentleman, I found him because he had a clip with him and one other dad. And it just brought a smile to my face. It's, it's one of those moments where you're just sitting there on your phone and you see a clip. And you just start grinning like a Cheshire cat because it just filled you with so much love, so much warmth. Just the fact that you saw him get happy, see another dad in a similar situation, they just run and embrace each other. And that's what I want to do. I want to help bridge the gap between strangers and get them to meet with other people who are like them in similar situations so they feel less alone. When I saw what he was doing and then I just shared their content because like, why wouldn't I? Let's, let's promote good, positive, wholeheartedness. And, you know, we just started talking from there and I kind of put it down a bit of a rabbit hole, seeing what it's about. Oh my gosh, this guy is just up there. And I say that not because of his stature. I say that because of the content he shares. He's very open-minded. He knows what he knows and he understands that there's a lot more to learn and grow. His son 
his family. It's just beautiful. And he's a bit of an open book. Don't get it wrong. Not everything you see on social is what happens in real life. I get that. But he still puts it out there. And it gives you a sense of gratitude, a sense of being happy in the face of adversity. But it's just him as a person hearing things that he's spoken about on his podcast on with different guests and so forth. You sit there and it does plant a seed and make you want to continue that conversation and understand why do we believe what we believe or why do we say what we say or how do, why do we conduct ourselves in a certain way? And these are some things that people don't do. They don't sit in their feelings. They don't sit in this thought process and they just abandon it and then make assumptions about what they thought or what they were going to come to. But he doesn't do that. There might be instances he does, but for on the platforms that I've seen him on, he doesn't do that. And I applaud him and I love him for it because I think more of those conversations need to be had. It's not wrong to sit in your emotions. It's not wrong to question certain things. When you make a product or provide a service, you have to stress test it. You have to make sure everything has been checked off that box. And if it's not and it goes out to market, more than likely you're going to find someone that's going to find a fault with it. So you've got to then take it back and revise it. And that's where you come out of Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 4. Or it just gets pulled all together because it's just not up to standard. So why as a person would you not want to make sure you check yourself, that you reinvent yourself every so often just to make sure that the times you're living, you're appropriate for that situation. You know, way back when I got beats as a child. Nowadays, you don't need to be doing that. You can articulate yourself. You can conduct yourself in a different way. But, you know, you hopefully get where I'm coming from. But anyway, I digress. I have a fantastic guest on here. His name's Kenny. And I'm going to let him introduce himself before we talk about his L yet. But he's going to introduce himself in any way that he sees fit. And then we're going to jump on to what he wants to talk about. Kenny, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, my man. Thank you, Matt, for bringing me on. Uh, hello, everyone on, on the podcast. Uh, thank you for tapping in, listening. I hope that you guys get some good wisdom, some good knowledge. Pray that your, your spirit is edified with um, with some truth and something that's valuable that you could take home with you from this conversation. For those that don't know me, my name is Kenneth Allen Thomas. I am a father of five, a husband, a man of God. I am um, also known on the internet as the dancing dad for my heroic efforts, um, helping my son defeat cancer within 149 days, you know, half the time expected of what uh, was projected by the doctors. And, you know, it was a, a rough time, but a joyous time at the same time, being able to overcome that type of adversity. And now, you know, coming from being a 20-year vet inside the dance industry, now retired from that and doing personal and professional development coaching and keynote speaking around the world, speaking about our story um, being an author of a few books and um, being able to help people on a day-to-day basis is what you know I love to do. My my whole thing is um, helping people strive and really, really live out their fullest potential and learning how to do that with practical tools, things that are not way over our heads, things that we can actually do um, right now and, and moving forward in that. So that's a little bit about me and um, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. Let's get it going. That's it. Come on. He did it such a better way than I did. I just rambled. He just got to the point. But that's what you just got to love about him. He's just so giving. And you'd think for someone to give that much, it's sort of like, how? How do you do it? And I just think he's an incredible individual. So I'm grateful to have him on to share what he's going to share. And yeah, let's get it on. So 
Your first L that you said you want to talk about, if I am correct, is your first marriage. Yeah, man. Super crazy, man. Um, 21 years old. <laughs> I was 20. I'm 39 now, but um, I was 21 years old and I made a crazy decision. Um, I was in a relationship where I felt that I needed to step up to the plate. We had a we had a child um, at that time, um, and I was with someone that I thought was going to be my forever, but it turned out that that wasn't the case. Um, I went through something that that no man wants to truly truly go through, um, and it's funny that I'm saying that right now because that's a weight that no no man wants to carry, and and as you've probably seen on my recent uh, Instagram post where I have a, a video that's actually going viral about men, you know, um, you know, uh, releasing some form of weight, um, to, so that they can keep going and moving forward, especially confiding in their wives. And this particular marriage, it was the complete opposite. And we had a child and I, I found out two and a half years into, into the marriage that the child that we were raising wasn't biologically mine which is a heavy thing to, to go through, especially when you are in your, your upper 20s. You make this decision. You want to marry this girl. You want to you step up to the plate. You want to do right by her. You want to do the right thing. And what ended up happening was is that there was a lot of turmoil in that relationship, a lot of toxicness in that relationship, a lot of things that were a lot on my end as well too. You know, So I'm not excluded. But that right there was like the, the, put the icing on the cake for us. And, um, that was something like a, a situation that I, I don't think any man, any father would really want to go through. And for anybody that is a loving father, you pretty much understand that, you know, your children are, are, you know, your world in a sense, you know, you'll do anything for them. You'll, you'll, you're, you're their protectors until the day you're called home, you know? So for me going through that situation, it was like probably one of the darkest times in my life. Damn. You're probably the first person I've spoken to who has lived through a sort of Jerry Springer sort of situation where yeah. you are not the father. Because let's be fair, even though it's not biologically your child, if you felt that was your child, you are a dad. You have gone through yep. every single conceivable feelings, emotions as a father. And then to be told... Sorry, can, can you repeat that, please? Because what you're saying, it's not computing. It's just not there, man. Just wow. So story goes, um, so me and my ex-wife, we we went to high school together. Um, there was a, we got together after high school. So we didn't, we didn't really even was rocking like that in high school at all. And when I got with her, my mom, she was one of the ones that was just like, I'm not feeling this girl at all. Like, ain't no way. When we found out that, that she was pregnant, we my mom actually pulled me into the room um, by myself. And she was like, that baby ain't, <clears throat> she said, that baby ain't yours. Uh, she trying to trap you. And I'm like, trap me with what? I ain't got no money. <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> so, like, I'm broke. Like, I'm not an athlete. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know, I ain't Will Smith. I ain't none, I ain't none of that. Right? So I, I dismissed what my mother said and um, 
it was just, I, I wasn't really seeing it. A lot of people that were close to me saw what I didn't see or saw what I didn't want to see. And it got to a point where every day in that marriage seemed like an argument. Every day seemed toxic. Every day seemed like we're getting on each other's nerves. It, it was just wasn't a real marriage. It, it just wasn't. Like, it was always something. Like, it was always an attitude about something. And this one day, my ex-wife comes home with a phone bill that was over $700. Yeah, I could see a $700 phone bill if you got multiple lines. <laughs> I could see a $700 phone bill if you got a business. I cannot see a $700 phone bill if you are one individual person. Who are you calling? And at that time, we had separate phone lines. We were on two, two different carriers at the time. She came home with this bill, and that phone absolutely had to get cut off because I didn't have the money to pay that. And... um. I'm like, who, like, who, whose number is this on the, on the line? There was two numbers on it. And she tried to tell me this crazy lie that remember when I, I tried to get you on, you know, my plane with me, well, they must've taken the social security number or something like that and, and put your, uh, and, and gave the number to somebody else. Like it was just the wildest lie ever. And that's when my antenna started to go up. I'm like, all right, she's hiding something, but she doesn't really want me to know. She's not telling me the truth. So I let it slide. And then my my ex-wife started to change her attitude. Remember I said like every day was like toxic. Every day, like it was like an argument. And then all of a sudden we start going out on dates. So all of a sudden she starts being nice. So all of a sudden things start to like change. Like her mentality starts to change and shift. And I'm just like, hmm, like things are a little bit different. Why? So I got her a new phone on my plan. So it was just two phones on my on my phone plan. So the other phone, she it got cut off, and uh, she ended up taking that phone with her every day to work. So my question is: Is that why are you taking a phone that doesn't work anymore with you to work? What do you need it for? Like I'm confused. And this is like around two thousand, like two thousand eight ish, around there. She ends up saying to me that, you know, like just continuously with the lies. And then one day she leaves the, uh, she left that phone by accident in the bathroom. Now I'm not the, man, I'm not the snooping type of person, but my spirit was just hitting me like, go open the phone. I opened the phone. And when I opened this phone, I start seeing text messages from other men. I start seeing pictures of other men. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how X-rated we can get on here or whatever, but just use your use your imagination. Like it was, you know, naked pictures of of other men, things like that in her phone, multiple guys. So it wasn't just one guy. And then messages from her ex-boyfriend as well too that that used to beat her, and conversations with him, and he's kind of pivotal in this particular conversation. So. At that moment, I, you know, you can just imagine on what's going through my mind. And at this moment, I would work at night and she worked during the day. So I had our daughter in the morning time and um, in the afternoon until she got off of work. And at that moment, I looked at her and I, you know, tears just start falling down because I'm starting to question now, is she really mine? So when she was about two, 
I ordered a uh, paternity test. And I ordered the paternity test came in at this time, like, you know, they didn't have what we have today. You know, you can probably find out quickly, but back then you would have to get the, the kit from the lab and then the lab would then swab your mouths and think like you would swab your mouth and then you would, you would put it back in and then send it back off to the lab. And you have to wait three to four weeks to get results. So that's what we ended up doing. And, um, I, I did it, you know, I, I had everything sent to my parents' house. So she wouldn't know that I went ahead and got a paternity test. And I ended up doing that. And when I, you know, three, four weeks later, I'm, I'm teaching the dance class. My father calls me up. He says the results came in. And he said, do you want me to open it? And I said, dad, I know you want to know. <laughs> so go ahead and open it. <laughs> right. And um, he opens it and he read me the results. And when he read me the results that uh, Kenneth Allen Thomas is excluded as the biological father. I won't say the name for her protection and everything, but it was 99.9999999% not, not the father. You could just only imagine what was going through my mind right now. Like at, at that time, I, I couldn't even, uh, I couldn't even finish the class that I was teaching. So my boss understood. I got an opportunity to leave. And the, the crazy part was I was working an hour and a half away from home. So I had this long drive back home and I go back home and I told my ex-wife not to come home because we were already arguing again and she had left. And I said, don't come home. And she said, why? What's going on? I said, I don't want you to come back right now because if you come back right now, things may get ugly. The day that I found out you know, the child was not mine is the day that, you know, uh, that was my wife's, uh, birthday as well. Same day. My ex-wife's, my, my ex-wife's birthday was the same day that I found out that the child wasn't mine. So she comes home the next day and I'm figuring out how should I tell her? And at this moment, um, I'm fuming with rage and I just needed a day to kind of like decompress on how I was going to do this. She ends up coming back. I took a shower. She got herself all ready because we were going to quote unquote celebrate her birthday. <laughs> and uh, I took a shower and I got ready like, <clears throat> like we were about to get it on pretty much. But I left the brown envelope on the nightstand next to her. I get out the shower. I go into the room. She's already, she's in lingerie and all of this stuff, you know, ready to go. And I say, um, I got your, your present. And she says, oh, where's my gift? I said, it's right next to you, right there on the, on the nightstand. This is a true story, <laughs> right? Right there on the nightstand. And she opens it up. And she's like, what is this? I said, read it. And as she's reading it, her jaw drops. And she was speechless. For the first time, she didn't know what to say. Any other time, she got a lot of mouth. This time, she didn't know what to say. And at that point, she said, I didn't know. And I'm like, you're lying. You knew. You knew the entire time. You knew the entire time. And then after all the commotion and the arguing and the fighting, she ends up saying words that I will never forget. 
I don't know how to make this up to you, but the only thing that I can think of is giving you a child of your own. literally what she said those words will never leave me ever so i'm like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> like who says that that just goes to show you how how crazy her mind was like you literally said that at that moment i began to change my life to where I got to start doing things for me. Obviously, I just couldn't just up and leave my, you know, my daughter just like that. It just wasn't that easy. It took quite a few months to kind of like pull back from that moment, but it was the start of who I am today. Damn. Oh. Wow. So, just to clarify some stuff. So, Prior to you getting married, you and her were intimate. Yeah. So there was a possibility child could have been yours. Yep. But it just so happened that someone else was the one that got to the egg. Yep. When she was pregnant, mom's had the conversation because, let's be fair, I think now as we're grown, we kind of see things that you don't see when you're in the moment. Yeah. But mom's kind of say, hold up. I'm seeing them red flags being waved. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I'm colorblind. I can't see what you're seeing. It's just it's, it's whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. When did you get married after finding out she was pregnant? We got married after, after we had the baby. Okay. So, um, so we were together and then we got married. Um, we got engaged while she was pregnant. And then um, after the baby was born, the baby was born in January, and then we got married in June. So about six months after. Did you feel pressure to do that? Did you did Did you feel like an innate feeling of responsibilities? Like we did the deed together. Yep. Mom and dad raised me well, so I'm gonna do right by them, right by my family. Yeah. But I'm gonna hold it down. Yeah. Yeah. That was the mentality at 21 years old. That was the mentality ready to go in and be a leader. And, you know, I knew what I was doing and it was, you know, I felt at the time it was the right thing to do. I don't regret any of it. I don't regret, you know, none of that because it, it truly, you know, turned me into or was the the beginning of, you know, who who I am. But there were times, even at the wedding, the day, the day of the wedding, <laughs> I'm going, I'm walking down the driveway and my mom goes, you know, you don't have to do this. Like this is on the day, like I'm literally about to drive to the wedding. She stops me at the driveway and says, you know, you don't have to do this. So my mom was literally like, like trying to stop me multiple times. And, uh, I wasn't listening, you know? So, so after all of that, um, I did find out who the father was, and it was the boyfriend that was that was beating her prior to, and he was the actual father, which I had a hunch because she looked just like him. 
Like, she looked just like him. And I'm just like, man, like, that's crazy. You know, the guy that I thought that I saved you from, you went back to. Or you kept dealing with. Or the moment when he left and said, yo, I'm out. But when you found out that you were pregnant, you said that the child wasn't his. And then you put it on me and said the child is mine. Because maybe you saw the qualities that I had that he didn't. Maybe you thought I was going to be a better father when, you know, and he wasn't. Like maybe you saw that and, you know, that's why you, you, you did what you did. I never really got that explanation. And, um, you know, nor do I, I, I care about it, you know, but it's just the, the fact that it's just ironic to see, um, you know, see those things, you know, how they, how they played out. I think it's telling because you did, did say that, you know, you're not an athlete, you don't have money like that and everything else. But the reality is, is that we don't necessarily see the value that we bring to an environment, to a situation yeah. where other people are able to clearly see it. Some people abuse that, some people embrace it, some people reciprocate it. Mm -hmm. But clearly it seemed like she saw from a distance, <laughs> yo, if I want someone to raise my child, this is the person. But even if that may be the case, she clearly seemed that she wasn't in a place to appreciate such a quality yeah. in a person. Prior to the baby being born, how did you feel? How did you feel learning that you was going to be a dad? Man, scared. <laughs> I was a little scared. I'm like, man, like this is, you know, because at the time I was a young dancer. I wasn't as good as I am today. I was still just learning the ropes. I was literally trying to find my career. I'm technically fresh out of high school, 24 months out of high school. Like I like literally just graduated. And to get thrown into adulthood like that and feeling the feeling of a child, you know, coming into the world, I said, wow, you know, I, I have this sense of responsibility now. And I was scared, but ready at the same time, or at least I felt ready, but I wasn't financially ready. I wasn't financially set. There was still so much more that I had to learn. I didn't know how to be a dad or anything, but I, I did have some form of training on what it felt like to care for others because of the relationship with my sister and, you know, our upbringing and her following me, you know, as, as a young kid, cause we're, we're four and a half years apart. So she was always like tagging along with me. So it was, it was things like that, that, you know, when I did find out that I was going to be a dad, uh, the, it, it was excitement, but at the same time, there was a lot of, you know, uh, resentment in that from other people. And, um, because you know, like you said earlier, they probably see the potential in me. They saw what I'm, what I'm capable of doing, you know, kind of like an athlete that may have a child early that has a lot of promise and potential. And then it could be like, you're wasting your life away type of thing. And then baby comes along, take it. You're at the hospital. I was at the hospital. I was there the whole, the, for everything. I was there for the birth. I was there for it all. Here's the ironic part, and here's what I want people to understand and get. Sometimes the things that we go through in life that we are blind to become very, very clear to us later on. It's kind of like a baby when they're born, their vision is a little blurry, and it takes a couple of months for them to kind of see clearly on who they're looking at. Are they looking at mom? Are they looking at dad? Who are they looking at? When it comes to our purpose in life, sometimes the vision can be very, very blurry. 
but the spark of the purpose can be very, very nasty. It could be very, very like, you know, um, traumatic in a sense, right? But I promise you, if you stay the course, you know, on your purpose and what you're called to do, I promise you, God is going to reveal all the things that, you know, uh, are promised to you without fail. Why do I say that? So my ex-wife, her birthday is January 24th. And the crazy part is that I found out that I lost a child on January 24th, which was the daughter who I found out that wasn't biologically mine, right? So on January 24th, you know, my ex-wife and I, you know, like I, once again, the biological child, I found out January 24th that she wasn't mine. Now, that was about, uh, that was what, 2006, and this is now 2023, so we're talking 17 years, Wow! right? So it's been 17 years since that happened. 17 years to the day this year, January 24th, 2023. My fifth child was born. Hezekiah, my my son, who I who I have children with my my wife now. Our fifth child was born seventeen years to the date on my ex wife's birthday. And the funny thing is, is that my wife knows that how precious that day is for me, right? Because it was once a day of turmoil a day of pain, a day of sorrow, that 17 years later, God said, no, now this is a day of bliss, a day of happiness, a day of joy, because I have, you know, replenished you and promised you what I was going to promise you, you know, a child on this day, on this very day. So no longer is this day a day of, you know, bad, but now it's known as a day of good because my child Hezekiah was born on January 24th. It's kind of like having manure being the best type of fertilizer. Yeah. It was absolute trash. And then what comes from it? Wow, look how beautiful you are. Look how vibrant you are. And that's because out of the darkest times, you have the brightest Mm -hmm. light and you have to squint sometimes because it's just Mm. so, so bright. Yes, sir. How how difficult was it to look at your child after that. Now, I'm not going to rehash what happened when you was at the studio and you stopped because I think a lot of us can probably understand how you probably felt. It, words probably would have failed you multiple times. But when you look at your daughter, because she was still your daughter, yep. no matter what's been said to you in that instant, that's been, what, 30 months potentially that you've had of having your child and then the nine months in the belly. Yep. That's my daughter. Yep. And now I'm looking at you and like you said about the vision being blurry and now you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. She don't look like me. Mm-hmm. She looked like that, bruh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the mannerisms, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was there in front of me mm-hmm. and I willfully discarded it mm-hmm. and just accept it for what it is. Mm-hmm. How did you... How did you process that? Because I, yeah. I I don't understand how I would, how I could, but I, under, I would probably understand the need to, especially mm-hmm. if the relationship with the ex is the way it is. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm just trying to understand how you detach that because it's not just the physical detachment. It's also the mental, the physical, the emotional. How did that work? Well, I'm a, my personality is a protagonist, right? So I'm somebody that is loyal. I'm someone who is an optimist. I'm somebody who um, tries to see the good in, in every situation, right? So processing it, number one, um, you know, I had to go, I had to go to God on it. I didn't have the relationship with, with God that I have now back then. My relationship with God is completely on another level versus back then. But processing it, I used my gifts to make the shift, right? I used my gift to make the shift. What I mean by that is, I didn't have a therapist. I didn't have homies that I can call and talk to that actually been through what what I've been through. I never had any of that. I couldn't even talk to my me and my father couldn't even like process this because he never been through been through it. Like he there for all his kids, (laughs) you know. So and we look like him. So the process of going through was I had to use what was within. And understanding what was within was my artistic mindset. So what I did was I created and reenacted the scene again. And I turned on the camera. I got some friends together. And I put a short film together of the entire situation. And I posted it on YouTube. And what I did was, you know, I directed a short film of everything that just happened in my life because I could not move on, you know, if I didn't do something. So my art, my, you know, my dance, like all of that hip hop, everything, I took it and I told a story. And because I, I, I can't, you just can't hold it in. It has to be released some way or the other. So if you don't have money for a therapist, if you don't know anybody to talk to, well, what do you have? What do you have? And sometimes you have to go to God and say, this is all I got. And when using that, it was, uh, you know, a really, really cool success at the fact that I was able to turn this story into what what I like to call the Chronicles of Allen, which is it's on YouTube and everything. If you guys go back and check it out, you can go check it out. But um, don't judge me because the 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 quality of it back then was was so <laughs> trash. Like it was so bad, bro. Like it was terrible. it was horrible. But like it got, but it does get better. It did, the story got better. The quality got better. Oh, you know, as I did more, I did about eight episodes, so it was like a solid season. And yeah, man, that that's how I got through it. I got through it by reenacting it. I got through it by putting myself back in the situation. I didn't run from the situation. I went through the situation. I went through the storm. And I think what oftentimes people tend to do is they run away from the storms. They run away from the storms and the storm is still chasing them. The storm, the cloud is still going to be over your head because you're running toward, you know, you're running away from the storm instead of running towards the storm. I would dare say if you run toward the storm, that cloud is going to pass you by and it's not going to look back. It's going to keep going in that same direction. Now that I went ahead and faced it head on and, you know, delivered content that was, you know, this is what happened and I'm comfortable with that, whether she liked it or not, whether it doesn't matter, like this is, I'm telling this story. 
it it truly, truly helped me in, in such a way that I believe helped, you know, many other people as well, too. So I just gathered my friends up and I say, yo, y'all want to help me shoot this? And um, and we did it. And that's how I kind of got through it, man. Like having that type of support system to help me tell this story was um was major. That's really interesting. Did do you think that helped you because you end up having to remove yourself from the situation mm-hmm. and kind of piece it together to say, okay, I'm one of the jigsaw pieces in this mess. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know what I'm building right now, what I'm part of. So by you removing yourself, it's like you're able to say, right, let me assemble this jigsaw and see where I fit in yep. and then decide whether you want to continue being that part in that jigsaw or finding a new purpose in another jigsaw. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Because one of the things I teach in my courses is remove yourself to improve yourself, right? And sometimes you have to remove yourself from the situation because what happens, man, oftentimes when tragic strikes, when things get real crazy for people, they automatically want to react. And when they react, they they, they become... Um, they, they may make the situation far worse than what it is. So me removing myself from the situation to kind of look at things from an outside perspective and an outside view actually helped me in that process. And it actually helps me in life till this day. Um, whenever anything happens in life, you know, from my son having cancer, I removed myself from the room to, you know, to see things from an outside perspective so I know how to um, attack the situation head on. It's more so of being being silent before speaking, being a good listener before actually being an active speaker, being the person that seeks to understand before seeking to be understood. Yeah, I get that. And I think that's that's very important. I know at times I can react, but a lot of times I don't. And people don't like that about me mm. because I get told that, probably when how I speak and what I say, because I'm trying to be considerate in what I'm saying, it's all like, am I being sincere in what I'm saying? It's like, I am. I'm just trying to be mindful of what I say and how I come across and make Mm -hmm. sure I address the points that need to be addressed that I think are important. It's not always about me. And it's hard for me to accept that as an individual because I think a lot of us, we are the star of our own movie. We are, right. we are the star of our own books. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that it's all about us. But mm-hmm. when you arrive to that place where you realize there's other people out there, other people have got other stuff going on, how you perceive things to be isn't necessarily the only way it can be perceived or the only way it will eventually become. There are multiple outcomes of this situation, despite what the experts or the professionals are telling you because right. all their telling you is information based on past experience they can't see the future it's a best guess so mm-hmm. you know anyone could probably say to you oh i've seen 10 episodes of jerry springer where this happens and what normally happens is this person does this this person keys a car that person does that but it doesn't mean that's how you're gonna react how you're gonna react is how you feel you need to react in that moment regardless of how you felt in the initial moment. Right. So you reenacted all that. You felt better. Can I ask, do you still have a relationship with her? The daughter? No. We, um, the last interaction I had with her was 
she, we were at my parents' house, and I was watching her for a little bit. Um, I had got her some <laughs> some Mickey Mouse, uh, some, some Minnie Mouse ears, uh, you know, because I had did some work down in Disney World at the time, or Disney, whatever, one of those Disney places, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, did some work down there, came home with that. And that was like our last interaction together. Uh, the the nail in a coffin was Christmas, and I think that was Christmas of two thousand eight ish, somewhere around there, where I had bought about two hundred dollars worth of clothes, and me and my ex wife weren't speaking, so I had dropped the clothes off at her doorstep for Christmas. And the next day, those clothes were right back on my doorstep. So, yeah. And at that point, I stopped all communication. And I said, all right, this is it. This is literally like maybe, you know, this is months after. Like, so it happened in January. This is uh, at the end of the year. So took about... 11 months, 11, 12 months and everything for this thing to really fizzle out. And, um, and that was it, man. Like that was, that was it after that. I I have not, I have not spoken to her or had any type of communication with her since. I guess it makes it easier when the mom did what she did. Yeah. I mean, you could say that, um, but I was still willing to be her father. I was still willing to be her father, but at the same time, I couldn't deal with, you know, that, you know, toxicness either. So I guess, I guess it was easier, I guess, you know, uh, you could say that, but uh, was it ideal? Probably not at the time because I still wanted to be a dad, but it was best because of where I'm at now. You know, but unfortunately, it didn't pan out to the way I would I would have liked for any man. It it didn't pan out to that. But um, I think these days, sometimes the days are tough because you you think about the situation, and it's like, man, like what if, right? Like what if it could have been different to where I could still be her dad? You know, you miss. You know, these birthdays, you missed Sweet Sixteens. Um, she's probably a senior in high school at this point right now, so she's gonna be graduating. You know, I am I am honestly sure at some point in time that I, I'm I'm almost positive that she may know who I am, but again then again I never know. Yeah. How did this series of situations impact your future relationships? Well, that was the reason why I did the short film. Because if I didn't, then the future relationships that I was going to be in, I would be holding on to a lot of that, a lot of what happened. And I know that the people that I meet in the future didn't deserve any of that if there was any backlash on my part. So I was at least aware enough that I got to make sure that I'm okay with me first. I got to make sure that I'm good first because no one else is going to deserve 
any type of turmoil that I may bring into a relationship if I'm not okay. Like I got to make sure that I'm okay. Got to make sure that, you know, my mind is right in, in, the, in the best space possible. But I'll tell you, I went down a road of trying to be with this girl and that girl and doing th- like just doing things that I'm not necessarily proud of because I was hurt. And it seemed like some people just didn't care. I was always the guy that everybody leans toward for advice, for leadership, for, you know, all these things. But, you know, I didn't have I didn't have all those people that are willing to take the time out to to pour into me um, daily from what I was needing. Not saying that people did not. There were there were men that, that did, but it wasn't you know, to where I, I, I needed it on a daily basis. So that's why I, I turned to dance and I turned to putting all my focus into my career because that's where I was able to let it all out when I couldn't talk to other people. Yeah. When would you say was the lowest point of that situation and how did you deal with it? The lowest point... I think the lowest point was when I found out my mother had cancer. That was the lowest point. Not only that, I almost died as well, too, because I had a staph infection. And I almost redlined on with the staph infection if I didn't get to the hospital when I got there because I was very, very close. And I was procrastinating going to the hospital. So all at the same time, I'm going through a divorce. Um, the child is not biologically mine. My mom has cancer. I moved back home. And <laughs> here I am in ICU. <laughs> and... uh I'm like, man, this is this is pretty low. This is pretty low. So that was the that was the moment. But how did I get through it? It was my will to I, I remember I remember someone say, uh one of my mentors saying, Kenny, you know, if uh if I could talk you out of this, then this ain't for you. And I had every reason to stop dancing. I had every reason to give up. I had every reason to just pack it in and just go do something else. Many times, you know, you know, my, my ex-wife would try and get me to stop dancing. She even said one time, like, you know, give it up. You're whack. You're corny. You're never going to make it. Sorry, what? Never going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. She would, she would tell me these things. She said, you're whack. You're corny. You're never going to make it. Give up this dance thing. Like you're, you're just not that good. And it didn't, it it drove me to do it more. And I'm pretty successful at the fact that I've been able to, off of dance, see countries like Japan, see countries like Bulgaria, see uh, multiple, multiple cities in the United States. 
be able to choreograph for, you know, uh, big name artists like in, in old school artists like Rob Bass, right? And different things like that. Do things with uh, Joe Scott and um, other, you know, other, you know, performers. Be in movies like Step Up 3. Be in, um, you know, different TV shows like Ugly Betty, The Good Wife, and all these different things that I've been able to do because of the drive that I had. And when he, when I was in that hospital at that low point, it was, I was thinking about those things. I was thinking about, yo, you know, if, if, if he can, t- if this can talk me out of doing it, then it, then it's not for me, but I just wasn't ready to give up. So in my mind was simply, you know, this is prior to me actually saying it, but this is really what it is. When we change the mind, we change the game. When we change the mind, we change the game. And then when I started doing that, that's when I started saying, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get my, my win back. I'm going to be, be better than what I was before. And I'm going to push. And I started to invest in myself. When I started to invest in myself, that's when things really started to change. Because I had no more responsibility. I, this is all I had. All I had was me. I guess it gave you a second chance, really, because when it was you had the responsibility to be able to get up and go. You can't, you've got a newborn, you've got a toddler, you know, you've got the responsibility, you're holding it down. But now it's a matter of, (laughs) yo, if I have the extra time, the additional, additional freedom to do as I see fit, oh yes, I'm going to do this, this and this. And it's quite interesting because you said something that I have said for a number of episodes and it's a matter of, you know, you can't apply a filter to life but you can change your mindset. Yep. And that's what's going to help you achieve and obtain what you want to obtain. I'm a, I don't like the phrase, bad things come in free. And someone could say in your situation, bad things happen in free. But, you know, it's kind of like you're looking for it. That's why you found it. But if you're looking for the good things in your life, the things to be grateful for, mm-hmm. you'll also find those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, just hearing that situation just sounds, you know, it feels like, all right, cool. I'm numb by this pain. So now all this other stuff's coming along. It's like, you know what? Might as well throw it my way. I'm numb to it all. It's just, have at it. I'm I'm there. Just I can't feel anything more than what I'm already feeling. But I will ask you this question. Yeah. And I think you kind of answered it already, but I don't know if the answer could be different. So let's assume you are who you are now. You're able to go back in time nothing you do back in time is going to impact what happens today right where you are today but what would you say to your younger self at your lowest point to encourage you to push through if you felt that i just can't like i i I honestly that the handbrake's on i'm i'm here i'm parked i'm neutral leave me be i the world's gonna keep spinning but i ain't i ain't about that no more i'm just i'm done what are you saying to your younger self to encourage you to not give up and to keep pushing through. Build a real relationship with God. Build a real relationship with God. I, I kind of feel like I'm like almost 20 years <laughs> behind. Um, and well, not really 20, 10. I'm 10 years behind um, because I really started to, to get get right with God when I was 29. So I would definitely say, I would definitely say, I would... I would tell my younger self to sit down and listen for a second. I want to give you something. I want to share something with you that is going to benefit you throughout your entire life moving forward. You will remember this day. You will 
you will never regret what I'm about to tell you. And what I'm about to tell you has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with materialistic things. It has nothing to do with any of that. But it is God's wisdom that is going to take you to another level. And if you obey and and hear these these words of wisdom, these these words right here that were written, you know, truly by the Holy Spirit, then you will be the one that you will you will do things that will be exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask, think, or imagine. But you have to like sit down and you have to take heed and <clears throat> be an active listener of what I'm about to tell you and share with you. And if I was speaking to my younger self, I would truly share the gospel with them. I would sh- truly sit there and, and tell him, this is what you need. This is something that's going to be different from what everybody else is telling you. Everybody else is on the street telling you something different. Everybody else on the street telling you to be with this girl. Go do this. Go do that. But what I'm giving you, you know, is something that will never run dry. This will be a moment here where, you know what? You'll never be thirsty. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never be, you know, wanting to, you know, needing a drink because you'll have, you know, flowing water throughout and your 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 throat would never get get thirsty. So I would tell them to don't be religious, but build a strong relationship. And the final thing I would say is foundation is key. The foundation being key is that you can build your house on the sand. Or you could build your house on a rock. And I would give him these two choices. If you build your house on sand, it may be the most beautiful thing that anybody's ever seen. But the fact is that you run the risk of a hurricane hitting it and it falling down because it's built on a softer foundation. But if you build your house on a rock, although it may be harder, when the hurricane hits, that thing is going to stand the test of time. And you'll be so much more prepared. You'll be in your room with your, with your cell phone or your Wi-Fi while whoever else is out there building houses on sand is going to keep building inside of a storm because they didn't use the tools to build on, on a firm foundation being a rock versus sand. So you said that also oh eloquently. Do you think your younger version of yourself would have heard you? Or do you think you'd had to have presented in a different way in order for yourself to hear it? Yes, I do. I do feel my younger self would have would have heard, um, because I was already a sponge for for knowledge and wisdom. It just when it came to love, I wasn't. I was already like you know, I was already that that guy where I'm willing to, I'm I'm willing to put the work in. So I was already ready to listen. But again, like when it came to love, I wasn't. And I, and I love that. And I, I respect it. I just know that sometimes how things are being said now in hindsight, like got the toolkit, know what I'm saying, da da da, da. But I know yeah. how my younger self would have probably reacted to some of them stuff. And yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have to drop it in a different way. But I love that for you. And I just love how well you presented it. So I will ask in. In the coming months, years, and so forth, when you now got with your now wife, mm-hmm. and she was with child, how did you feel at that point? Was it a panic station of going, I've been here before? Mm. How long till I find out? And then the baby comes, you're looking at that baby, 
checking it all 4D. Is that baby mine? Them ears look different. I'm not sure. Pigmentation. Hmm. Questionable. Because I know I make it sound comical, but the reality is, or at least I like to think, if something traumatic's happened to you already, it's hard to erase them feelings because in theory you're then going back blind and that like a fool. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm offending anybody. Just mm-hmm. going, oh well, that didn't happen. Let's go again because yeah. you've been bitten. Yeah. So you're gonna go again and go. Hang on, I'm coming from a place of experience. Let me just make sure everything is kosher. Yeah. Was that the case for you? No, not at all. Not in this case. Um, the reason why is because me and my wife in our house we have a, a we have an oil painting. Um, in our house, um, it has a scripture on it, and then it has our wedding wedding date on it. But off of it is hanging a ring with three cords that are braided. And we know that a three-folded cord is not easily broken. So when we got married, we braided the cord together at our wedding. And there was no doubt in my mind that she was the one. How did I know that she was always going to be loyal to me? My apartment burned down in maybe like 10 years ago, somewhere around there. And we had just got together. I moved back home to my mom's house. She actually had just moved back from Hawaii. And she was getting out of of a, a divorce as well, too. And we had got together. And... I ended up going back to my mom's house in in this small, tiny, like probably like 400 square foot room, like super small. And she slept with me on the air mattress, not an air mattress, she slept with me on the twin bed. We had a twin bed. So we had a twin bed and inside that room was a lot of love. Inside that room was a lot of hope. Inside that room was a lot of faith. And inside that room was all of our stuff. We were tight. And I remember her being with me during those rough times. I remember uh, her saying that she believes in what I do. And I knew that when she got pregnant, there was no doubt in my mind that, that the baby was mine. You know, there was no doubt in my mind that, you know, those thoughts didn't even come about at all. Like, I just, I just know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I also knew from an external standpoint what others raved about my wife and everything as well, too. It was just something about her that made me so comfortable that I didn't even have to think about what happened in the past. I just knew that, you know what? Like, sh- there's no mistakes here at all. That's beautiful. And it would be nice if everyone was able to experience that, but unfortunately life doesn't work that way. And yep. even though it didn't work that way for you initially, it's nice that it worked out for you eventually yeah. because you stayed the course and you didn't give up. You kept going on. Mm-hmm. And something I've said before in the past is that, you know, if you look at, if you stop where you are right now in the midst of something that's challenging and something that's not what you want it to be, that is a loss. But if you keep going, you're going to collect a couple more letters and it's become a lesson. More now, so you know that's my interpretation of it. But I'll ask you yours. If that situation wasn't an L, what would you call it? Hmm. If it wasn't an L, that's a good question. 
If it wasn't an L, I'd call it a level. Okay. Um, because I've elevated from that, you know, I've elevated from that, from that level on where I was. So I would definitely call it a level in my life that I had to endure. I had to go through. There was no way around it. If I don't go through this level, I'm not who I am today. Should I have made better decisions? Yeah. Uh, but none of us are flawless, right? So therefore it was it was a level in my life and not the final level not at all that's amazing yes sir i i i know a bit about you not the length and depth of what other people know about you because i learned about you very late in the day mm-hmm. but that was not one of them mm-hmm. and i'm very grateful for you sharing i know for a fact that there's probably people going, hang on, hang on, hang on. He said his son had cancer. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Go follow him on social, hear his story, let him share it, through, share it to you in a way that he wants to share it to you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, but what about his mom? Again, go follow him. Go see what he's got going on there. Yeah. And see what's up with Mumsy. Yeah. But shout out to Mumsy though for calling the red flags from way back when. Like, All the way. Mumsy saw it from a distance. But <laughs> Mumsy yeah. had a telescope pack guy. Nah, but not my baby. You mad? Yeah. She mama had the she had the she had the spidey sense on real quick. <laughs> oh, that tingling sensation was there. Yeah. And then dad as well for holding it down because yeah. not a lot of dads, unfortunately, are on the scene like that. But dad was there holding it down, even when he didn't know how to navigate a situation. Yeah. He was still there yeah. with you in the trenches, going, I've got a letter. Yep. George open it with you. Mm-hmm. He weren't just like, there's something here for you and let you wait until afterwards. He's there with you. And I love I love that. I just think if we knew more about each other, like we've just had a conversation about, we'd probably be a lot more kinder to one another and be mm-hmm. more empathetic and going, yo, I had no idea. And I just think that that is really, really nice. Mm. What I'm going to ask you to do, please use the next two minutes to selfishly and unapologetically plug yourself and everything you've got going on so where, and where the people can find you so they can catch up on the rest of the stories and all the new stuff you're going to be dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you guys can really find me on Instagram. I, I've been hanging out there a lot lately um, at Kenny Clutch underscore um, K-E-N-N-Y-C-L-U-T-C-H underscore. You Or you can catch me uh, any of my courses. If you are somebody that is looking to elevate from a personal level, professional level um, in your development, and want to go to that next level, uh, I have a plethora of courses and trainings that you guys can get on my website. That's www.kennethallenthomas.com, K-E-N-N-I-T-H-A-L-L-E-N-T-H-O-M-A-S.com. And yeah, and then join join in on the Unshakable Nation. Get with the podcast. Get what we're talking about. We're we're talking about different topics as far as when it comes to our personal growth and talking about all faith, family, and leadership and looking to grow in that aspect. Um, I feel that we all are leaders in some way, shape, or form. And as leaders, we never stop growing. We're always looking to go to another level, or we should be looking to go to another level. Um, and 
from there, you know, just just continue to you know come along for the ride. I share my my family. I share my my uh, my experiences and the things that I feel that are going to edify people and help them um, live life to their fullest potential. And that's really what it's all about. Um, I want to see you guys win. So I, I'm under the mindset of giving until it hurts, and then give some more, right? And I'm just going to keep giving. All I can say is, people, I pulled a face when he said that. <laughs> give until it hurts, and then give some more. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like yeah, bro. That. Because you got to think about it, right? If if we're trying to achieve something in life, then we're going to have to give something. If you are somebody that is looking to spark a business, maybe you want to create a nonprofit, maybe you want to write a book, whatever it is that you're looking to do, the first thing that you're going to need is a tribe. You're going to need a community. How are people ever going to listen to you if you're not giving to them? So give until it hurts. You give your time, give your money give your wisdom, give whatever it is that you have to give, you give it, you give until it hurts, right? When you feel like you don't have, have it to give, give it anyway, because the harvest that you reap in the end will be so much more beneficial for you and will edify your life to a totally different level to things that you, you wouldn't even ask, think, or imagine. So yeah, Give until it hurts and then give some more. Damn. You sure you want to host my podcast for me? I got you, bro. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, that's absolutely I give that beautiful. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually beautiful. That um I appreciate you coming on and sharing all that you have done. Um, love to your family, love to you, love to mom, dad, and everyone else involved that helped support you, even your people them that help with the production to kind of get you through just visualizing what was going on and putting it out there. Because even now I'm thinking of a couple of people I will reach out to you after this episode and say, yo, because <laughs> what they shared yeah. on their episode was being cheated on. Yeah. Like, and it was their fiancés. None yeah. of them got to the level that you got, you yeah. know, thankfully or not thankfully, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. But it's just nice to hear people sharing these stories because a lot of people say, I don't hear black men talk about this. I don't hear men talk about this full stop. Yeah. And it's the fact that one, it's a shame. Two, it's about cool. I'm grateful that I'm in a position where people feel comfortable enough to disclose this type of information and allow me to share it for other people. But all I want to do, and I know I'm repeating myself here, but I want to bring people together. I want us to feel less alone in this world. The worst yep. thing you can probably feel is being lonely amongst the crowd. Yeah. If I can help people to see that these things happen and it impacts us on a cellular level, on a spiritual Mm. level, then hopefully you can understand why people react the way they do to certain things you say, think, or do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that they're going through some stuff and we just need to afford people grace, give people the benefit of doubt. Just because of what they say, what they do, how they react, isn't their full being. Sometimes people might kick off at you and you take it personally, but it's not even you. It's a series of things that add up to that point. And I can definitely say this as a parent, and it's something one of my friends, uh, Travis, actually said about how kids don't know how to push your buttons. And it's like, no, they don't. 
but they know the combination. Like, oh yeah, they know. I am tired. Mm-hmm. I am sleep deprived. They're bleeding me dry over my patience, of my emotions, of my finances, and mm. then they want to go and do this. Are you? Ma- that's the combination for me. Yes. Don't anyone yep. use that, please. But <laughs> that's the mm. combination, and it's a matter of right. How do I navigate that? How do I not lash out on the next person? How do I? Le- how do I know? had to improve myself and no longer let that remain the combination to get me to that level where I snap. Mm. And other people may not be aware of that. They just go around snapping, 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 not knowing it. But unless we understand that there's more to what more to people than what we can see, mm-hmm. we are going to struggle to be happy and fulfilled in our lives because we're going to keep taking things personally when it's anything but. It's just part of the process. And I think while we're on our way to happiness, on that journey, Enjoy the ride because, you know, everyone's got, everyone enjoys a good story. So why not have your story to tell to people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, um, my little one's coming down here now, but (laughs) I think that, um, to your point, there's a, there's this thing that I teach, uh, in a lot of my talks, um, and it's called the well-being exercise. And within the well-being exercise, people have to learn how to put themselves, you know, first, many people don't put themselves first. They put themselves, you know, fourth or fifth on the list. And then they wonder why that, um, you know, certain things are not flowing the way that they want, right? When you put yourself first, meaning taking care of your mindset, taking care of your body, um, you know, for example, right? Um, For American football, right? (laughs) American American football would be... um, they get ready to play on Sundays. And sorry about that. Uh, that's huh? Christian, everybody here. <laughs> um, they get ready to play on Sundays. When they get ready to play on Sundays, they are taking care of their bodies. If they don't take care of their bodies, then guess what? They're not going to be able to be at their best self for their team. And being that they're not being able to be their best self for their team, then that right there may, um, the whole team is going to feel the effects of it. So you, you do the same thing inside your family as well, too. So learn how to, you know, take care of you and do the things that are important for you so that you can be better for your team. 100%. And it's like um, when you're on a plane, they say when the mask drop, you put it on yourself and then you put it on the child because the reality is you give it to a child in the nicest possible way. What's that child going to do if you conk out, but they've got a mask on? Right. So you might as well put it on yourself. And if they conk out, you're in a position where you're able to provide for them, support them and get them from where they are to where they need to be. So I absolutely love that. And I enjoyed this conversation so much. And yeah, looking forward to more of what you drop, what you share. And yeah, look forward to many more engagements over the coming weeks, months, and so forth. And again, love to you and your family. To everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and taking something from this. Please reach out to him if you need to. Follow him and just understand that just because whatever you're going through right now feels like a loss doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like i've said multiple times before there's nothing about a caterpillar that takes going to be a butterfly so look after yourself stay well and i'll catch you in the next episode